Now beginning transmission 100. Superman, secret identity. File under March Madness. This week's episode of the Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. Tenders all while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. You can find these idiots on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. You know no, what? You read too many comic books. <laughs> we now join Brian. I'm too sober for this shit. No, so what we were talking about off air, and because as we learned last episode, uh, there's <laughs> nothing we've said off air that's worse than what's on air. So, yes, last week was the, the inf- now infamous, apparently, cum dumpster episode. Oh, is it infamous now? I would think so, because I've heard a lot about it. Oh, uh, have you? I uh, just, I, I made a joke about it, and I've had like three people now listen to it and be, cum dumpster <laughs> fire the musical, huh? <laughs> I didn't are really they horrified me- or are they entertained? That's, a, that's the question I oh, have. Oh, they're entertained, and I'm, I'm now forever known as a dirty whore. So, now? Yes, well, now it's out there. It's in public. We, we have it saved on a server somewhere. Um, <laughs> I just, I was listening to it on the way to work the other day, and I I didn't realize we spent like 20 minutes talking about that, so that was... What's um, Hi, Mom! We, we're all pure as driven snow. Oh, of course, of course. Or plowed. Um, there, there might have been more than 20 minutes. I might have trimmed it down a little bit, to be honest with you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just forgot about the musical part of it, so we got that part, and then, like, what, what's, like, the rousing song that ties it all together? Oh, it's got to be something from Cats. Yes, of course. Right. Yeah. God damn. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our big, well, this is a big episode for us. This is a big episode for us. This is our 100th episode, kids. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, we made it 100 episodes, which, uh, you know, doesn't seem like a big deal sometimes, and then sometimes it feels like it's a really big deal, because, like, there are a lot of podcasts that only last, like, eight episodes, and they're done. So, Actually, 100 episodes most pretty podcasts good. only go eight episodes. That's That was, like, the, they did a study, and that was, like, the yeah, average. Because a lot time. of people are like, I have a really good idea, and then they get bored and don't follow through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, you know, as, as I can attest to, trying to arrange uh, a bunch of people to get together to talk is uh, more tricky than you would think. You're our uh, resident cat herder. Yeah, since I've been listening to these episodes, and I'm like, like sometimes <laughs> I think I'm a pretty funny guy, and then all of a sudden I listen to these episodes, and I'm like, no, I'm pretty, like, just the boring guy who's trying to keep everything on track. Like, I am very much the cat herder on these episodes, which I'm very okay with, but it's just kind of funny. What I perceive myself to be and what I actually am on this episode or on these episodes is 
two very different things. So yes, we are here for episode 100. Uh, congratulations to all of us for making it this far. Um, yeah. If I was there with you, what? And the peasants rejoice. I'm only a quarter of that. Yeah, but I mean the, the I was backstory. Here in spirit. Yes. You were, you were originally going to be. I mean, I you were one of my original thoughts and requests to be on the show, but at the time you had a job you couldn't get out of which is why you didn't join the show initially. And then we tried to work in the uh, Professor Maya with you for a while, so because that way I could record it separately from everybody else and not have to worry about trying to fit you in with the group. And then it all just worked out that you became a permanent member when you got yourself a different job. So uh, we're very happy to have you. In my heart, you've always been with us, Maya. So, Aww. who's my big boy? Oh, I am. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> Speaking of our big boy, he has accepted Manny Bothhands as his personal Lord and Savior. Uh, I have Maya. <laughs> He's literally walking out of the room right now. I am still angry about that. Like, I had actually forgotten about it until you just mentioned it. So, thank you ever so much, Brian. Oh, I'm still convinced. I'm going to make t-shirts that say Manny Bothans died for our sins. And it's going to be my new cum rag. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't know how to use those. You don't just dab your asshole. Put a, put a little behind each ear when you go to the bars. I just have this image of like a really prissy, like British man, like after a fine meal, dabbing the corners of his mouth with a, a napkin, but you know the other way around. Very posh little dab at the end, Adam. That's yeah. what I was expecting. I guess you could say. My- also, don't forget, pinkies out or in. You know, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't pinkies that were in there. So uh, Maya, how are you? <laughs> I was going to say just the rosebud is wilted. <laughs> Your rusty sheriff's badge, eh, sir? Yeah. The old phrase was just one in the stink, but maybe not. <laughs> it wasn't at the same time. <laughs> All in the stink. <laughs> oh god! I, uh, and the, the funny thing is, occasionally we do say worse things off air. So, yeah, that, that is shocking, the horrible thing about it. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. I now have a new intro for you, Adam. So, but we're first, we're going to introduce a high priest in the Many Bothhands Church of Life. We have Mr. Maya. I'm Maya. <laughs> I hate Many Bothhands. <laughs> That's all you get. Fuck off. No. Uh, I'm Jeremiah. Hello. Hello. Uh, you can catch me if you're in Salt Lake City at Dr. Volt's Comics. I'm usually there Tuesdays and Fridays. That changed this week, but that doesn't matter because that's in the past. But come check us out. 2043 East, 3300 South. Uh, you can also catch me on Twitter at Mr. Maya, Instagram at the Mr. Maya because some asshole took Mr. Maya. Fucker. And that's about it. I post pictures of my cat and talk about comic books. And on our social medias, I've been posting the last couple of weeks what I've been getting from our comic comic shops. What yes. are you getting? Answer. Tell me. Tell me what I should be reading. I'll tell you if I care to check it out or not. When I finally am brave enough to go back to comic shop, I will start doing the same, but I'm, I've am i started working a lot more, so I uh, have not had as much time to read, so other than reading the books for the episodes, I haven't gotten a whole lot of ex- extracurricular reading done, and I've actually been good and not gone back to comic shop to buy more shit, because my to-be-read pile has once again expanded far beyond where it should be. I was, uh, sounds like you just don't want it enough. Apparently I don't. Well, yeah. <laughs> Coming up here in a little while, I'll be able to get back into reading, but it's going to take a little bit. I was going to go see Maya today because I had the day off, but then I ended up going to Tremont for someone who shall remain nameless, and then I got a uh, cracked windshield, so I had to get that fixed. Okay. Well, the human embodiment of a Muppet, we have Mr. Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, 
Yeah, you I'm said at, all I'm... the whole hand up the ass, so you became a Muppet. <laughs> That's fisting, sweetheart. We haven't done that. Um, yeah, but I just want to. I, I just want to see who can, whoever controls to make him to make his arms flail like Kermit. And he goes, "Yeah!" <laughs> that is a very specially placed pinky, sir. <laughs> oh, there's the spot. <laughs> I think I've heard that sound come from your room. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Right there, right there, right there. <laughs> oh my god. You broke them. <laughs> but it's only when they do pinkies out. Oh god. Um, hey, what's up, uh, Adam, resident cum dumpster fire, and <laughs> also reviews editor uh, from critic for Big Shiny Robot. Uh, also, we uh, reunited with Andy last week for the Board of Hell podcast. Hi, Hi Andy! Andy. Uh, so that's kind of fun. We made our Oscar predictions and did some other stuff, so uh, if you're listening to this episode, you can go back to listen to that one and see if we were right. Uh, also, here are Funny Books and Firewater podcast, and then I've got something new I'm starting, uh, the Cinema Queens podcast, which, if you remember... Way, way back in the day, I, I mentioned something. Well, maybe I wasn't on air, but I was talking with when Q was one of them. I on air, like way long ago. Um, about doing uh, like a quick film review, like film and look back thing at LGBT movies throughout the decades from, you know, back when I was like gay code back in the 40s to more modern stuff like Broke Back Mountain, Call Me By Your Name, and just discuss kind of the history of queer cinema, where it's been, where it's going. Uh, and uh, my good friend Chris is actually going to join with me, and we're recording our pilot episode this Sunday. So I would, like to, hear, I would like to hear your eventual episode talking about uh, Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I was talking with Eddie, and he, he was wondering, are we doing just queer, queer movies, or are we doing ones that have like queer followings, like uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, wait, wait, wait. Hush Hush Good Charlotte, those kind of movies, too. Ha- haven't you, maybe it was Eddie that mentioned that... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Oh, no, it's the gayest movie ever okay. made. <laughs> um, it, 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 there's so much gay stuff. Actually, that's one we, we do need to watch. There's so much gay subtext to it. Uh, and interestingly enough, the actor who plays the main character was gay. So mm-hmm. he wasn't out at the time because it was you know 82 and you would have been fag-bashed. But uh, no, I mean, that's, it actually is a very, very queer film. I was um, on the island where Shirley Valentine was filmed. Oh, really? Yeah, I was with uh, Miami. My wife and I were out on a cruise... And we met up with all these people. We just started referring to each other where you come from. So we were Salt Lake and they were Miami. And they were just a cute old couple just spending their retirement years on a boat. Makes me think of Zombie, zombie Land. Land. That's how I was just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> they really were. It's like, oh, this is where Shirley Valentine was. And I had this blank look on my face. And they're like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> so, But yeah, it should be pretty fun. Uh, you know, Brian came up with the idea just to do a pilot to get it going. Mm-hmm. So you may never hear it. It may be so shitty that we're like, no, fuck that. But if we do air it, uh, the first movie we're taking is uh, We're the World Mine. It's a modern retelling of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. But uh, it's a gay musical. So it's kind oh, of fun. Cool. I hear you like both of those things. I do. Gay things and musical things. In my ass. Okay. So, Adams, does, things in your ass. does Eddie listen to the show? No. Okay, I gotta say something, and it's been bothering me, and I gotta get this off my chest. I love your husband, and we're friends on Facebook, obviously. Is this about his crying posts? No. His taste in musicals is shitty. Like, it really is. Like, he loves some shitty, shitty musicals. Like, like, not like shitty, like campy or good or whatever. I'm just like, fuck, like, you're really excited to see Phantom of the Opera again? Like, really? Like... 
Well, it just have, breaks my heart a little bit. I have a soft spot for Phantom because that was the first musical I ever saw at Pantages. And that was kind of like the one that, that got yeah. me into musicals. And uh, I've seen it twice when I was in high school. And I am excited to see kind of how they, because I guess they've changed a lot. Like the story's the same, the songs are the same, but they've done restaging yeah. uh, new effects. So I'm, I am excited for that. Uh, it's I'm more excited for like Hamilton and then uh, I think a picture for next season we actually have a really fun season next yeah. year so but no I mean I like Phantom Phantom's fun it's a classic and it's kind of what got me into musicals as a kid so I get you but it's just like I, and that maybe not be the best example but every once in a while I look at his post and I'm like really that's the one you love really so cats? anyway yeah I'm <laughs> sure he does have the good decency to hate cats yeah that's what he's just saying to your face he's behind your back he's like wearing a Mr. Mistopheles outfit and you know crawling around the house while you're gone at work I'm just saying magical or you were spying in our room when we were you know making me the cum dumpster dude it's not my fault to turn on that webcam Someday I make good money. Find it, the brown eye connection. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> the lovers, the comers, the <laughs> and me. <laughs> yeah, the lovers, the comers, and me. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, speaking God. of the lovers, the dreamers, and me, we have Mr. Todd. One hundred episodes of this. We can't yeah. wait more. I know, right? Hi, I'm Todd. I'm just sitting here with the um, doe eyes of Maya looking at me as he gently caresses my knee. It's nice. But you can find me here on Funny Books and Firewater Podcast. I also do English class hooligans with my wife when Maya's not around. Hi, Hi Amy. Hey, how you doing, Amy? So, uh, oh, hey. Hey, you're not going to find me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm a wallflower there. So if you do, I'm impressed because no one else does. And yeah. Yeah, I'm shocked if you ever like respond to anything I do on Facebook. It's pretty amazing. Occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll do like a like press. Yeah. Enough to know that like, hey, Todd sees what you're doing there, but I'm not much of a poster. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, sure. And cool. And hey, uh, I'm Brian. I'm sound designer. I'm based out of Southern California. Um, I also do the English Class Hooligans podcast with Todd and Amy. Um, hi, Amy. And, <laughs> hi, Amy. Hi, and uh, I'm sound designing a video game called Killing Come of My Friend, and I am sound designing four shows for Lyric this summer. So uh, this week and this month we are doing recommendations from you, and at, while we're at this, I would like to apologize apologize to Andy Wilson. The reason why we didn't get any of Andy Wilson's uh, suggestions is because I totally forgot to give them to Maya because he had contacted me in a way that I don't normally get contacted and I totally forgot that that's where they were. I thought they were on was my it, Facebook feed. Was it feed. through prayer? Carrier pigeon. No, no, it was through Messenger and I don't use Messenger very often and so I was like, why? Because like, when we brought it up last week that we didn't get any of Andy's suggestions, and I'm like, he sent a lot of really good ones. I realized that they were on my Messenger feed, not on like uh, the comments from a post that I posted. So that's why I couldn't find them. That's why they never got to. Maybe 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 we should do a month later on this year and just do an all Andy Wilson suggestion month. I would be a hundred percent behind an Andy Wilson month. He actually had really good suggestions. So yes, I. What, what month's his birthday? Uh, give me one second. I can find out. Okay, while well, you work on that. Well, uh, so I'm so, assuming there's not a bo 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 bo. That would be that would be the only only one I would veto. Just that no, one? No, it was a good list. Let me, I'll pull it up for you, like what he okay. said to me. Um, um, it was, well, while, while you're pulling that up, I just want to point August. out that my... Oh, perfect. August? Okay, August would be a great month to be Andy Wilson month. That might be what um, has to happen. And everything after? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to point out that currently my spam folder has 666 messages in it. That make you Nice. Uh, okay, so Andy's uh, suggestions were Lumberjanes, mm-hmm. uh, The Century, The Coldest City, which is what eventually became um, Atomic Blonde, 
uh, Vader Down, the new Star Wars run, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, Fantastic Four versus the X-Men, which if you bought the same copy of Fantastic Four versus the Avengers as I did, you already have that book because that's what I that's where mine ended up being. And he said, maybe some Deadpool and Cable or something, but he's not sure which. And I said, well, I got a lot of Deadpool, I, so I can probably do that. I, I, so, I, I know which stuff from that. Those suggestions yeah. we could do. Yeah, so he's like, he just has an omnibus, but like, so Andy gave me some really good ideas. So I think I'm tentatively saying that August is going to be Andy Wilson month and we'll just use his suggestions. So, but I apologize to you, Andy. That's why we didn't get any of your suggestions, but we'll make good on it, I promise. Um, so, no, I'm making good on it. I'm writing, fuck oh, you, I'm writing it down right now. Also, I'm, Andy, I'm going to our if, list. If you have more suggestions between then and now, add them in. Yeah, let us know. Andy is picking all the books for August. I've now decided this. I'm going over right now to our list. Uh, we have a Google Doc just for you guys who may or may not care. We have a Google <laughs> Doc where we keep track of all the lists that we're going to do and all of our themes. And I'm going to write in August, Andy Wilson month. So say we all. So say we all. What I'm just impressed with, we've done 100 episodes now, and there's how much shit we look at. It's like, oh, we haven't done any Deadpool yet. Oh, yeah. No, there's always still more stuff to check out. And, like, I will, others, I mean, kind of while we're waxing, you know, sentimental for a second. Before the other the thing, great thing about doing this book has been, or this show has been, I have found a lot of comics that I would have never found otherwise, if not for being recommended to read them for this or discovering new artists or writers that I really enjoyed and reading other things. Like, my comic book collection is far more varied now than it ever would have bit before but, doing this show. Let's face it, you wouldn't have never read any book made by Archie Publishing probably before this, would you? And it was so good. I know. Well, that, Afterlife, yeah. Sabrina, yeah, the I main know. Archie book. Yeah, between Afterlife, Sabrina, and the main Archie book, like those those three books are fucking spectacular and you would not expect them at all. And, right, and I got to meet uh, Robert, uh, Hack. Hack, Robert Hack, who was like the coolest dude and has a great Instagram. I will say again, follow his Instagram. He puts up his sketches all the time and whatever he's working on, it's great. Speaking of the horror books, we have Jughead the Hunger right now that's really I'm good. Yeah, and I'm just, hoping that'll be in trade by, uh, by the time we do Halloween. Oh, I'm sure it will. Yeah. Uh, and just about to start, we're getting Vampironica. Oh, nice. <laughs> and Betty the Cum Dumpster. No, that's... Adam the Cum, the cum oh. Dumpster. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an Adam Kevin Kelly meetup. It's gonna be great. <laughs> so I I don't know. I'm jokingly tempted to change my name to Cum Dumpster on Grinder just to see what happens. And I'm like, that that would be you'd be busy. I, well, I don't need to be that busy. <laughs> no, just make a new oh, account and just make a fake account and call it Cum Dumpster and see just see what happens. Don't necessarily follow through. Just see what happens. <laughs> We shall see. You can put that on tight. Put it on. Put, do it for science. Am I asshole? <laughs> yeah. So, hey, we're only a half hour into this fucking thing. So let's. Uh, yeah. At least we've kind of talked about comics a little bit. Let's talk about oh, Superman. Superman. Let's talk about about Superman. Let's, let's, actually, yes, let's talk about what the actual book is. So we're we're reading Secret Identity, uh, Superman's Secret Identity. So one of the things I was really excited about this is I had bought this before this got recommended and eventually voted on because Mr. Maya was on a panel at Comic Con I think two years ago, which was the best comic books from like the last thirty years, last decade that you may or not have ever heard of, and this was on that list. So I had already bought it with the intention of reading it because I've been slowly going through some of the books on the list. And some have been great. Some of them have been kind of like, ah, I, I don't understand what your appeal is on this book, but whatever, not my problem. Speaking of not necessarily understanding the appeal or loving the book, we're going to do some votes. Vote for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the form. Vote for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote because we love you and we 
don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now, who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Um, so, whether or not people should actually go out and spend their hard-earned cash on this book, Mr. Todd, what is your vote? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead? Okay. Yeah, go uh, ahead. A, a rousing vote of confidence from Todd. <laughs> Maya, what say you? Abso-fucking-lutely. This is one of my favorite Superman books that's ever, ever been made. I am going to jump on that and agree with Maya. My vote is absolutely yes. And this is, for me, for Superman books, it's this or uh, Red Sun are my two favorites now, um, but this book Which, that's, is that's kind fucking of, that's amazing. That's kind of telling that both are kind of Elseworlds books and not like main Superman yeah, universe. but I, I think there's a reason for it, and we'll get into why we why when we discuss this a little bit later as well. And um, Mr. Adam, what is your vote? Uh, definitely, yeah. This I'm, I'm not I've never, never really been a big Superman fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Growing up, of course, with you know watching the old George Reeves one with my dad, and then Christopher Reeves and everything else, that was fun. But comic-wise, I just never got into it uh, until the, the Injustice series came out based on the, the video game on PC and uh, Xbox and PS3. That I liked. This, though, is up there with not only easily my favorite Superman comic, it might be my top ten or even five of all time. I really liked it a uh, lot. Superman comics or just comics in general? Comics in general. I I had a blast yeah. with this book. It was everything I was hoping. It was everything I was hoping it would be and more. Yeah, this definitely makes up for Tag and Bink. I am assuming. Uh, no, nothing can make up for Manny Marcus. <laughs> well, this thing I about tried, I guess. hands all over you. Or in him. Yeah, it's well, not yeah. hands are inside me. It's penises. <laughs> you didn't mention fisting earlier. Yeah, I'm not into yeah. that. Yet. <laughs> so I was actually interesting story. I was uh, I was online looking for some new lube to try out because you know, mm-hmm. sorry if you're a gay dude, just be very explicit. We don't produce our own like a woman does. And uh, I was just looking through all these different ones, and then they actually had like they have like fisting lube. And I swear to God, it was like a jar of Crisco. Oh my God! <laughs> did you know you can get a 55 gallon drum of lube through Amazon? I yeah, I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think you told me about that. You, you did, as in you've done it, or you were just aware of it? I'm not that much of a slur. <laughs> no, I think Todd told me, so, or someone told me you can get that, and I went and looked it up, and I was like, yeah, that's that's a lot of loot. Yeah, ah. it is. Through my work where I'm at, every now and then, I'm tr- tempted to test our purchasing system by ordering a barrel. <laughs> but I'm terrified if they actually go through with it. You, should, you should order blinker fluid. Oh, no. So we sent a guy to the shop to buy cervical grease and fallopian um, uh, tubing. And, and so it was like his first day on the job, and we sent him in there. And the, the, guy, the guy working the shop, he was so on it. He goes, well, the cervical grease is going to be in the flammables cabinet. So we sent him to the flammables cabinet to look for the cervical grease. And just, oh, we must be all out. It was, it was amazing. So. Our fine American education for you right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, no, you want fine American education. So we have a very, very big event that brought all their gear back, and we had they had a dumb kid who was annoying the shit out of them. So they told them that power cables, much like hoses, would sometimes get power stuck in them like a water would, like water was <laughs> stuck in a hose. So they had him go through and plug in like every extension cable into a light bulb to drain the extra power out of it, just in case. Goes, the oh light bulb may or may not turn on 
you may see it or not, and had him do it to every fucking wire. He did not last long. He does not work for us anymore. Oh, and by the way, uh, Jess says happy 100th to us all. Message. But we're going to jump into our drinking game rules. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Uh, so, Mr. Todd, what is your drinking game rule for this? Mine is called, oh, I see what you did there. Every time there is a reference to uh, traditional uh, Superman comics in some form, typically at the beginning of it, you should take a drink. So I had to change my drinking game. Mine was too close to Maya's. (laughs) And you didn't tell me what yours was. Well, you told us what the old one was. Mine was different than the ones I heard. I'm just going to stay with the old one then. It's it's tied to Maya's, but it's a little bit different. Okay. Well, then, Mr. Maya, since you were first, why don't you go ahead with yours? Uh, Mine's called Neener, Neener, Neener. Uh, Basically, anytime uh, the government's after Superman at some points in this book, uh, anytime he gets away from them or outsmarts them, uh, take a drink. Adam, what is yours? So mine will basically be like drink fucker because you're going to be <laughs> drinking twice every time this happens. Um, mine's called Damn the Government. So while well, mine is when every time he escapes, mine is every time they uh, they try to attack, capture, or do something to trick Superman. <laughs> but you know what you could do if you wanted to be slightly different mm. is you could have it be every time there's an appearance from his government hand, can, handler. Mr. Malloy. Mr. Malloy. Yeah, but that's only like half the book. Yeah, I, I, I oh, like the idea of fucking our listeners up. Okay. So, we'll fuck them up. That's the point of drinking. Okay. <laughs> so mine is uh, get some air. Every time Clark goes on a flight to clear his head or to think, take a drink. Jesus, that's almost uh, as bad as mine. <laughs> it almost is. It's pretty mean. But uh, so, so I guess I shouldn't give Adam shit about trying to make everyone drink twice for his game. Does anybody have any forewarnings? I mean, I guess the one thing we should probably say is that this is an Elseworld story. So if you're expecting... The traditional Superman mythos. Uh, this is a little different. It basically, I guess to give you kind of a, we haven't really, we've, we've talked about fisting a lot, but we haven't really actually discussed uh, what this book is about. Um, it's it's basically in a world where, yeah, well, it's it's basically in, oh, in would you a, imagine essentially like a world where you, that'd be so horrible. Oh, dude, I still feel like if Superman came, he would like shoot a like sperm right through your stomach like a shotgun blast, like that that's sort of. I, need a crypt- I think yeah, you guys read the pro. It was Q's favorite. It was. It was. He loved that book. He had so many things to say. Lots of things. Uh, So anyway, it's a world where Superman exists as a fictional character, but is not a real person. And uh, this poor kid's parents think it would be funny. Their last name is Kent, so they named their kid Clark. And so it's this kid dealing with the fact that everyone thinks that he's a superhero and everyone thinks he loves Superman. So of course, if your name is Clark Kent and everyone gives you Superman toys all the time, you're going to hate Superman toys. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where this starts and goes from there. Anybody else have any forewarnings about uh, about this book before people jump into it? Be prepared to feel feels. Yeah, there are a lot of feels, but it's a great book. Um, we all agree that you should read it. And yeah, we've already kind of spoiled what our final grades are going to be, so uh, <laughs> definitely one worth checking out. Um, so uh, with that, we will send you on your merry way to go out and read uh, if you haven't done so already, and then come back and join us. And if you've already read it or you don't care and you want us just to spoil it for you, well then hang on, because we'll see you guys on the flip side. <laughs> If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Yeah, because the, the story okay. itself isn't the deepest story in the world, which actually has been kind of nice after the Watchmen and everything else we've uh-huh. been doing. Uh, but it yeah. wasn't as 
bullshit as the last one. So. <laughs> oh, you love it. You know what? I'm going to leave that last little part of it in, so we're just going to jump in from here. So, hey, so th- we're going to start spoiling from here. Uh, as Adam said, uh, yes, this is not necessarily a very uh, intense and deep story. Uh, it's broken down into about four sections. We're just going to kind of do broad strokes, and then you know we'll reveal more information as we discuss it further. But for those of you who didn't read the book or want to just be on the same page, that's what we're going to do. So chapter one uh, is called Smallville. It's uh, this kid named Clark Kent, as we described before, um, who is Superman exists as a character. He doesn't really give a shit. Uh, he goes out camping one night, and suddenly like he he realizes that he can actually fly and then he just realizes he has other powers and so he basically is sort of an equivalent of superman he starts helping out a little bit um but people start trying to you know figure out who he is and he has to start kind of dodging from the press and all sorts of things and uh, eventually he kind of embraces it decides he's going to come out and say who he is wears an actual superman costume to a halloween party uh ends up almost nearly getting caught by some of the press and he uh, then decides, you know what, maybe this isn't the best uh, idea in the world. And so he sort of tries to leave that world behind him. Uh, we jump to chapter two, which is called Metropolis, which is where Clark is now um, working as a reporter for a newspaper. He's not doing like reporter, reporter stuff, but mainly writing sort of like more think pieces and, and stuff like that. Anyway, so of course... Writing for the New Yorker? He's writing for the New Yorker, yes. So, or is it the New Yorker or the New York New Times? New Yorker. New Yorker. So he's writing the New Yorker. He's writing more like you know, opinion pieces and that kind of thing. Anyway, so of course his name is Clark Kent, so what happens is his friends set him up with someone named Lois. Uh, her last name is not Lane, though. Uh, I can't remember what it Shahari? is. Shahari? Yeah, she's, she's Indian, so... I, uh, I might yeah, have butchered that. I apologize anyway. Uh, if I did. Anyway, they start dating, and they fall in love, and they uh, they have a, uh, a relationship, a very budding, very sweet relationship. He gets captured by uh, some military personnel of some kind that, uh, you know, trying to dissect him or whatever. He eventually ends up overcoming the sensory deprivation that they're trying to put him in and he escapes he sees on the way out other bodies of humans and of child and starts realizing that potentially they have been you know experimenting on other kids or people aside from him whatever that's going to be so now he's under the struggle of he wants to still do good he's afraid of the government and he wants to tell uh lois but he's afraid of what will come of that so eventually he just decides you know what i'm going to tell her and come out and let her know what's up and uh they end up having, you know, a good sort of relationship with, you know, her now knowing what, uh, what what's going on with him. So chapter three is called Fortress, which is, we jump a few, forward a few years later, uh, Clark has started becoming a pretty uh, respectable writer, and Lois is uh, working as a interior designer. He's uh, kind of created some ways of hiding his identity and his uh, secret life so they can protect Lois and is still doing good where he can, still dodging the government here and there. Lois ends up telling him that she's pregnant and he's going to be a dad so he gets excited about that but also concerned about his future and how he's going to handle having kids and all that kind of stuff uh government once again makes an attempt to try to capture him he sort of tries to strike a deal with him that like he wants them to leave him alone but he will help them out on occasion and uh, they sort of suspect there's something going on uh he strikes a deal with the government eventually the problem ends up being is right when lois is about to have the kids yes we find out that she's actually having twins he gets called away on a mission to help out on something else. He's very kind of upset about it, but he uses a super hearing to listen to the entire birth process and all that happens. And so at the end of it, uh, you have a lovely family picture of Clark, Lois, and their now two daughters. So 
Then we jump to chapter four, which is called Tomorrow. And we have Clark as an older man. His uh, two little girls have grown up. They're probably in about their 20s, early 20s or so. They have boyfriends. They come home for holidays. He's uh, slowing down a little bit. He's struggling with, um, you know, his potential. Like, he's not really sort of Superman. He's... uh, he, he has tendencies, but he eventually, I think, is kind of coming to the idea of his own mortality and that he can't necessarily do this forever and that this all isn't working out for him. Uh, his handler for the government that he's been working with says that he's retiring. And Clark is starting to get concerned about, you know, if it's time to tell his daughters or not uh, and what's going on that way. Eventually, he goes and is trying to help stop a tornado in Australia. And he is pretty certain while he's in the middle of that tornado in Australia he sees his daughters are actually helping him stop that as well. So he decides that his way of coming out and telling him that he is Superman is he is going to uh, leave his, basically, he's been writing this journal the entire time, which is how it's narrated. He's going to leave it out there for them to read, and if they decide to read it, great. If not, they'll not discuss it. So uh, he's not sure if they've read it or not. He can't, they kind of set up some traps to decide but he decided he's not going to he's just gonna let them you know have their own lives and grow up whatever he then uh goes to save a train and his daughters show up also wearing superman outfits and you realize that they are all superheroes and they've all been doing kind of this together so you now have like basically a super family that can all do all this work together and it sort of ends with you know a nice happy family kind of preparing for him to be an old man and you know uh, be a grandfather and uh, move on with his life and, you know, let his daughters have their own life and, uh, you know, see how it all goes from there. Uh, so that's pretty much the book. And uh, as we said, a very simple book, but uh, eloquently written and beautiful art and uh, has a lot of fills. So let's start with what you thought about Clark Kent as a kid and that concept where we start out at. So, uh, you know, the world where Superman exists as a fictional character, but not as a real character. So basically our own world. Well, I, I, li- I kind of like that he, he, even though he's not Superman, he had the quality of, of wanting to believe in the good in people, which... Mm-hmm kind of led, you know, so turned against them. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, you know, trusting that the reporter, uh, uh, Wendy Case, wanted to help him out, and then she ends up setting him up and ends up, uh, when he's like, no, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, and she ends up... Blowing up half the city, blowing, yeah. Blowing up part of, like, downtown <clears throat> and killing people to get him to expose himself. He's like, oh, wait, people are shitty. Mm-hmm. Not, not everything turns out the way you want it to. You know, it's sad, but uh, I like that it showed a little bit of realism to that, that maybe Superman, you know, believing in the best isn't for everyone, but... Well, and I think, for me, and the stuff that I've read and, and conversations I've had about Superman, I think Superman, as a character is most interesting when he is struggling over his morality. Like, as a superhero doing heroic deeds, that's not what makes Superman interesting. What makes Superman interesting is his moral compass and the drama that comes between trying to do good but also trying to protect your own uh, with your secret identity and things like that. And I think this book really highlights that as well. I think the other thing that this book benefits from is that although Clark has the traits of Superman, he is still somewhat vulnerable and he still does slow down so there is a mortality to him so you get that fun um sort of dreamlight aspirational aspect of you know wouldn't it be cool to have those superpowers but you also get the reality of uh you know he's not going to be able to do this forever you know what i really enjoyed about especially the first one is you're introduced to this character clark as this teenage kid and he's being teased because his name is clark kent and he's from a smallville and it makes him instantly relatable. So mm-hmm. more than anything else, he's like, yes, my name is the same. 
Yes, everyone thinks it's cute that I get these gifts. And it shows them putting them in the closet. And they just go there to collect dust. And he gets teased a little bit. And he comes upon this realization. He's just made a little nutty. He questions whether or not he was adopted by his parents. And it's just trying to find his own place with the world until he figures out he really does have these superpowers. But the wonderful thing about it is it's just it's so humanizing. Uh, it's just these teenager with these teenager problems. And so many of these things are not of his own making. And I think mm-hmm. that was a wonderful start to it is, yeah, I get this kid. I can see where it's coming from. And I think that's great. Yeah. And one of the things, it's actually interesting you were hitting on that because I was going to bring some up very similar. Uh, if you look at the difference between a lot of Marvel and DC Comics, DC Comics have oftentimes been with like Superman and Wonder Woman you know, gods and goddesses among men. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whereas Marvel, mm-hmm. like your Spider-Man and your X-Men, this and that, it's normal people who, at a certain time of life, normally when they're like 13, 14, because you know, it's all about puberty and that whole change of life thing, mm-hmm. come into these superpowers or these new powers and have to figure out how to use them for good or for evil or for self-preservation or anything else going on. And so th- I'm right with Todd was that... Mm-hmm. I've never really identified with Superman as a, that interesting of a character because, yeah, his big thing is like he could take over the world if he wanted to because he's Superman, but he chooses not to. He chooses to go and look for the good in people and, and use his role as a protector mm-hmm. to take care of everyone. This was fun because this was like Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man or it was uh, mm-hmm. the X-Men getting their powers or you know the Inhumans with the Terrigen Mists. You've got this everyday average kid who's, like you said, he's been made fun of at school. Everyone's like, oh, ha-ha, Clark Kent, do and then all of a sudden is Superman and has to figure out what to do with it. And the the questions he wrestles with when he's at school and he's being bullied and he's like, do I just roll with it and like make him think I'm not anyone special? Because I, but if I wanted to, I could just like throw him to the roof and you know, oh, he can punch me only once. It's not going to hurt. And there's a couple times he kind of shows off, like you know, Spider-Man doesn't get the spider powers sure. and stuff. But this, because Superman had the uh, had the moral compass given to him by his. Well, I guess you could say adopted parents because he's from another world. Mm-hmm. That's when you really got to see mm-hmm. his moral compass being developed from the get-go, from just him being a good person. And while Maya said, yeah, he does kind of like starry-eyed and wants to live in the good in people, Clark Kent in this book was a good person. And mm-hmm. at that choice, I mean, I couldn't tell you if I was a teenager because I got picked on a lot. I mean, we've had many discussions about the hell I went through, mm-hmm. that if I was given the powers of Superman, that I wouldn't take advantage of it. I would have been a total dick. Yeah, so that yeah. that was really interesting and fun again to see this character evolve into someone with powers and not abusing them. So the whole with great power comes great responsibility. He used that to actually follow through, and even though he's not Superman, be actually become Superman in the story. And really, what is amazing in watching him, he, he is um, as Superman tries to be with the written well, as he is something to strive towards as an ideal. And it's often this gods among men, but you see him as this very human character, and the choices he makes are the um, best choices one could make. I mean, he uh, has a nice house in Maine when he grows older, but he really wants the quieter life. And he wants to help people. And as much as anything else, he keeps a low profile so he can maintain his privacy and his quiet life and continue to do what he loves. And it's about concern of family and others that he lives the quieter life more so than anybody else. And it's just, it's um, heartwarming isn't quite the thing, but you can understand the motivation of that thing. I mean, some people like to be famous with all the trappings with it, but at the same time, there's a lot of um, a prison-like things if you're a super famous person and once it gets out it's one of those things the cat doesn't go back in the bag again 
So he works hard to maintain it. And mm-hmm. even his relationship with Malloy, as he's going through with that, as you later learn, Malloy knows exactly who he is. And, and has known know, for years. And has known for years <clears throat> and has just proceeded along with that fiction because he knows that's what Clark wants. And he's like, I can do this because even though I do know and he's not as smart as he thinks he is, he is truly the best version of what a person could be and just continues to try to be and as he ages and he goes through and realizes his mortality it is um, such a beautiful thing and he's what he is is he's a family man concerned about his wife concerned about his kids and yet he still runs out in the middle of birth because um, of his children because there's someone that needs his help and he's annoyed by it but yet he still has this duty and responsibility that he's going towards and says I I the Spider-Man phrase of great power, great responsibility. He's just so emblematic of the ideal. And yet it's brought about in such this human way by the author, Kurt and the drawing with the flashbacks or these of the earlier supermans and everything else. And it just has a, gives you a longing of the idea of there was better days in the past, or there was greatness in the past that can be brought forward and you can say this is why this character is so loved and it's fantastic so Stuart Emoman's art along with Kurt it's writing it's just there was a synergy there that was just a whole lot of fun and I could see how people fall in love with this and it's kind of a love letter of Superman of the past and I just think it's um it was a lot of fun to read and it was written very well in a lot of those ways I also noticed you've been dodging the author's last uh first name, which is making me crack it's, up because that's the exact same thing I would do. Kurt, Kurt Busick. Busick, sure. okay, there we go. And, well, and, I'm just and, on and, a first name basis with the guy. And, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys are good buddies, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and Stuart Eminen. Um, but spe- speaking of the artist, I just want to point out uh, the art in this book, this is not typical Stuart Eminen. The other things that you may have seen or read that he's done, uh, that, that's kind of more his normal style, is uh, he did Next Wave, he did Fear Itself, Marvel. Oh, really? He did mm-hmm. the all-new X-Men, or at least the, the first bit when uh, the X-Men, the original X-Men came to the present. Like, that's his normal style, and this is completely unlike most uh, Stuart Eminem I've seen, and I absolutely love it. It is, I'd say, damn near perfect, or at least a perfect fit for this story. I mean, it's not Bobo Bo level, but... <sighs> Well, and I, I think one of the things I really love about the art, since we are discussing, but it, it, it is the art in general is beautiful. Um, it's it's got this great sort of naturalistic quality to a certain extent, but also like these great vistas and like this. It has a sense of wonder to it. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing I really loved was this tie-in it has towards the end, where he's going through his life, and like they, they do these little these little sections where they tie into the classic comics, where they'll have like a page or a panel here from classic comics here or there. But there's a little section kind of towards the end where he's discussing, you know, the evolution of you know his family and how things are going to be and they go through all these different comic styles um, of different like representations of Superman and different things like that which is just like that was kind of one of those really cool things about like the universality of the story of Superman where it's you know kind of drawn from like it looks like it's drawn by a bunch of different artists Uh, but it was just really cool like kind of the thought of it and I also I really like Superman as a thinking man you know what I mean like I really like his perspective and him sitting there trying to tell his story about what it's like to to have these concerns and what it's like to have these powers and all that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, it's uh, the pages I'm thinking of are uh, sort of him at 202 and 203 where he starts as an old man with his daughters and kind of flashes back through his life, but it's 
visually told mm-hmm. through sort of um, different styles for a little while, which is what I, I thought was a really cool sequence in there and a really cool way of kind of doing a little shout out to all the different styles of artists who've also you know drawn him in the past and things like that, which I thought was really cool as well. I am what's interesting is we're talking about the the artwork. What it really reminded me, I couldn't put my finger on it, and then I just snapped when I was thinking of this. Uh, if you ever saw the Richard Linklater movie, uh, A Scanner Darkly or Waking Life, mm-hmm. where they took the mm-hmm. actors, they filmed them, and then they animated over them, it really came across as that because it almost like was that he had had these real characters, people who were in front of him, like modeling or you know acting out the different scenes, mm-hmm. and then he just animated it as they went. They did. I mean, yeah. it's similar to Alex Ross in some ways, but it doesn't feel like a imitation of Alex Ross. It's definitely Stewart doing his own thing, but it has that realism level with it that I rather enjoy. I mean, I, and I know what you're talking about, Adam. Um, like, if you think of a, there's a book, uh, Scarlet by uh, is that Brian Cave? Or no, that's uh, Bendis. It's Brian, it's Brian Bendis. Yeah. yeah. The art on that or the art on um, Ex Machina by Brian K. Vaughn, those have really like a photographic quality where it looks like they've drawn on top of it. This has this nice blend to make feel more like, you know, comic art and like it doesn't feel like it has that quality and that clarity that I totally get what you're saying about like the scanner mm-hmm. darkness stuff. But there, the, the thing about it that I like, kind of appreciate a little bit is that it feels it has more of a, an artistic rendering to it as well. You know what I mean? There's a, I, it's just, it's not as harsh, I think, as sometimes those photographic style books can be. Yeah, yeah. no, I know I get that. And for me, it wasn't so much that it was more photographic, it just had that that same feel of as those movies, like the, the, the animation in those. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, almost, it made it kind of feel more cinematic. Oh, yeah, uh, very cinematic it, art, for sure. Very cinematic art. It, it flows very easily. Uh, and as much as we've talked about with some of the previous books, uh, with Black Panther and obviously Watchmen, the whole, like, hey, break this down slowly, read it in parts. I flew through this in half an hour, and I want to go back and read it again because it's mm-hmm. it's so much fun. It's so interesting. And speaking of movies, there's some great throwbacks to, uh, like, the, the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeves where he picks up Lois and flies off of there. I know it's really cliched for... Superman to do that because it's happened before, but for this, it just it instantly brought to mind some of those scenes from the the, the '70s Batman. I mean, not Batman, Superman. Mm-hmm. That uh, as one of the first superhero movies I ever saw, I've just been indelibly etched in my head as some of my favorite moments in film. You've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> <laughs> well, although we, we'll, we'll forget about evil Superman getting drunk in the third one because that was bullshit. That was awesome. That's bullshit. We love Richard Pryor. <laughs> I love Richard Pryor. Oh, he had he had one of the best. He made a he made a, a pussy joke. Um, I'll, I can't remember what it is now, but it was about oh he's going on some chicken she won't come, and he's all like, I think your pussy's dead. And she's like, well maybe it will come back to life if you would give it mouth to mouth resuscitation. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing about Richard Pryor, since we're on this complete weird side note, uh, yeah. is that uh, so he was one of the writers on um, Placing Saddles. Yep, um, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> but the so I watched a couple documentaries on Mel Brooks because I freaking love Mel Brooks, and someone asked Mel Brooks about Richard Pryor, what he wrote on it, and they kind of assumed he wrote a lot of the blockchain goes, now Richard Pryor was really into the Mongo jokes. Pretty much all the Mongo jokes are Richard Pryor. Like, <laughs> Mongo a- saying, Mongo only pawn in Game of Life. That was totally Richard Pryor's joke. But that was really funny. <laughs> No, hell no, I don't do cocaine. I just like the way it smells. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's one of the comics. I mean, he, in, when did he pass away? It was a little long time uh, 80-something. Yeah, so it was before I was even old enough, or that anyone should be old enough to you know, get, get into his, his humor. Uh, he's one of those comics that if I could go uh, back in died, time. He died in 2005. You were, oh, you were, sure. you were, you were close, Brian. Yeah, not um, even remotely. Yeah, I, thought, <laughs> I, I feel like he was, he's been gone for a lot longer than that. I think, didn't he have, like, he had a disease, so he wasn't in the limelight yeah, towards he, the end. Uh, 
Yeah, like Parkinson's I'm, I'm or something. Okay. But like Richard, before we yeah, sound like people, have, I've always wanted to see, see, see live, and now I don't have a chance. Like Richard Pryor, Rum Limbs, and uh, just other comics that were really formative to my uh, my sense of humor that I have now. I did get to see one of them. It's it's I can't I don't like admitting it now, but like when I was a kid, Bill Cosby was like the shit, and mm-hmm. I got to see him live before all the scandal came out and stuff like that. I saw him a couple years ago, and it was great. And then now I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I got to see him, and I'm kind of glad I got to see him before he had a bad taste in my mouth. But it's still kind of a bummer. You he, know? he was diagnosed with MS in 1986. Yeah. Okay, so he was he was okay. out of the line for a long time, but. Um, yeah, actually, and Bill Cosby have been on my, my bucket list to see too. But now, in the end, Louis C.K. Same thing. Yeah. It's like there's there's yeah. so many comments out there that I would, or actually, and the one we can't forget about is George Carlin. Yeah, that was my, the my one. absolute favorite. I we were so we were flying back from Puerto Rico, and I was sitting with Eddie and some friends from my old job. And we were laughing about the uh, George Carlin doing the "Did you pack your bags when you go to the airport?" Yeah, yeah. a place for my stuff is, I think, the album. Yeah, we, but he's like, he's like, they always ask you the three questions, and then, and my friends who were both in their early twenties had never heard of it, so we probably shouldn't have been playing it about airport security in the middle of an airport. But even to say, even people like the younger generation, it's still it's, it's absolutely hilarious. Well, and then there's the one, the place for my stuff, where he talks about going to Hawaii and then going to visit a friend. So it's like he packs all of his stuff in a bag and then takes to a hotel and then he has a smaller bag to pack smaller amounts of stuff to go to another place and like this whole like trip is you know broken down into him just trying to find places to put mm-hmm. his stuff and take it everywhere with him well this kind of past awesome. week is um so anthony jelesnik is a comedian that has a lot of black humor that's about it a- oh anthony jesselnik jesselnik why not yes okay i'm like i'm like well, he used to have a TV show. That's why I know what, how to we'll pronounce it. We'll go with that. So a lot of his humor is really black and in your face and kind of affrontive. And the one that made me laugh at is like, I'm a bad person for laughing at this, is there was the tragedy. Bill Cosby lost his daughter this past week. And Anthony posted on it, and his comment was, no one should ever have to bury their daughter, usually. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> Only someone like Anthony can do that. So back to the Superman. You know, there is one thing that... Uh, <laughs> Now, what oh, did annoy me in this, and I really did like Kurt's story and everything else here, but the amount of narration, internal narration, seemed a bit much. Well, that's, that's the whole like story, that? though. It I didn't bug you with Rorschach. I actually liked it. I know. <laughs> but that's like the point of the story is he's telling his life. I know, and it annoyed me. It got. To, it just kind of. I, I. I. It just. I don't know what it was, but if there was anything about it, it was a little bit of a. Um, a lot of telling and not as much showing. Maybe I don't know. I think there's telling and showing, but the showing is more of the vistas sure. and the grandiose of it. But the telling is the internal story, and the internal story is what makes this I really work. I absolutely agree with and you. Really tick, like, and yet yeah. it's still a little bit there. By all the way, I read this one digitally, and if there ever was a book to read digitally to enjoy. This one might be on the top of my list. Oh, really? Because the thing of it is, you look at this, and I am a guy that loves reading comic books in hard form, having a physical copy in my hand. But the way Comixology does that is there's so many vistas and double-page spreads, they don't even put a line break in it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you've got this big thing, and it's just a solid two-page wide shot and view that shows off this art, and it really is quite fantastic. So I rather enjoyed that. So um, I'm going to end up getting this as a hard copy, but it's um, digitally. Um, mm-hmm. It was great to enjoy it in that way. So you liked it enough that you're going to buy a physical copy? I did. I said, yeah. I said, is it worth reading and buying? And my answer was yes. No, your answer was 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you weren't committed enough to it for for Maya's taste. That's the problem. It, the, the device that he's using, I understand where he's coming from and that's doing it, but for whatever reason, it just started to annoy me a bit and it felt like I was watching an episode of the Wonder Years. Well, I, I get that. I, I get the Wonder Years thing. I totally get that. And I, I could see where it could be maybe potentially a little bit overused. But I kept watching, I kept reading this book and I kept thinking, why doesn't DC fucking make this movie? You know what I mean? Like, this would be an awesome movie. Uh, like, I would watch the shit out of this movie if you could do this. Because I think it would be amazing. Like, you could do some really interesting things and you could have it, like, it's very relatable. You don't have mm-hmm. to have a part of, like, the whole overall universe or whatever, you know, and, and start out just be an alternate story. I think that would be amazing. I can kind of see why they wouldn't want to do it, since it's kind of an Elseworlds movie. But it would exactly. confuse non-comic book readers. But, oh, yeah. but if they were to do one of their amazing animated movies to this... Oh, yeah. That would be great. It would be great. So no, it's it's very cinematic. The way it's drawn, Stuart even did a wonderful job. And there's lots of things. And it might just having when I read it caught me in the wrong point of mute mood. But I was I was getting annoyed by this just the constants of it. If, Con- if only you could hear my internal monologue right now. Mm-hmm. What would that be saying? Something like that. <laughs> Well, uh, how do you guys feel about doing some cocktails right about now? Uh, I'm good with that. Behold, Mr. we finally fulfill the second half of our Mr. title Boom. and make with the fire Mr. water. Alcoholics transform! Mr. Maya, what is your cocktail for this week's so episode? So I do have to say that because I, I emailed you mine and then I saw Todd's email. Yeah. And they're similar, yes. but different. Yeah, so do you want to change the name, or do you want to just call them? Maybe they, can both be, they can both be the Superman drink. Okay. I didn't see yours. It's because I emailed it not to, isn't it as a response to... There you the go. Email. So this we were independent. That's no, true. it's true. It's true. Think but, but they're similar. They're just slightly different. Al- it's like the same thing, but with different alcohols. Okay. Yeah. It's the same idea. Uh, so mine is called the Superman. It is a third ounce of schnapp peach schnapps, a third third of an ounce of coconut rum, a third ounce of triple sec, a splash of grenadine, fill the glass with ice, add equal parts rum, peach schnapps, and triple sec, fill it with pineapple juice, and stir it, and then top with the grenadine. Well, so then, since we've already mentioned Todd's, Todd, Mm -hmm. what is your Superman cocktail? As a cocktail, this is also fruity. It's got an ounce of gin, an ounce of mandarin juice, three quarter ounces of dry vermouth, a half ounce of apricot brandy, and a teaspoon of grenadine. Now you put all those ingredients in a shaker, you shake the shit out of it, strain it into a Collins glass filled with ice and you top it with a speared cherry and you enjoy. What did the cherry ever do to you to deserve to be speared like that, man? Ask Adam. <laughs> That's Anna Adam used many of both of his hands to do so. God damn it. Speared cherry is not to be your name. It's never gonna go away. It's gonna, it's gonna go on my fucking tombstone, isn't it? Adam speared cherry. <laughs> on his tombstone it'll say many both hands died. Fuck you! <laughs> Well, Mr. Speared Cherry, what is your cocktail? Uh, so mine is called Writer's Block, because uh, he's got the whole, like, being a writer and trying to figure out if he's going to publish his memoirs and this and that. Uh, so it's uh, one and a half ounce of uh, Amaretta, one and a half ounce of good bourbon, the juice of half a small lemon, two uh, ch- uh, good shakes of bitters, 
You stir that up and you just add two ice cubes to it. I kind of love that recipe. It's like yep. the juice of half of a small yeah, lemon. Yeah, I was, thinking, shake of this. I I was mean, thinking about I'm that. so used mm-hmm. to seeing recipes like this exact measurement of half an ounce here and there. And there's just an artistry a bit with that recipe there. I rather enjoy that. Yeah, but it's actually, I, I, it does, it's kind of uh, citrusy and refreshing and... Mm-hmm. Some you can you can feel you can feel distinguished while you're doing that. Like you your pinkies out. Pour in. And you're feeling my ass. I feel like I need to be drinking wine with Samantha. (laughs) (laughs) About a few Sundays ago. Oh naughty. What's your drink, Brian? Mine is a, it's a grapefruit mule, but uh, I'm naming it the lowest lane because it kind of has this sort of uh, refreshing kind of vibe to it. And uh, we kind of have a refreshing different kind of lowest lane, so I'm totally down with that. So uh, two ounces of vodka, two ounces of freshly squeezed pink grapefruit juice. Uh, It's about half a grapefruit is what it says here. So, you know, not quite as cool as Adam's recipe, but, uh, you know, kind of on there. Uh, Half an ounce or one tablespoon of fresh lime juice, three ounces of chilled ginger beer, one sprig of fresh rosemary, and a sliced grapefruit optional. Uh, fill the glass with ice and add the vodka and the lime juice and all that stuff, and then you uh, stir it and you uh, garnish with the rosemary and uh, the person who posted this says that they sometimes like to use the rosemary uh, sprig to stir it to kind of help get a little bit more of those aromatics going on. Do we have more thoughts about this book that we want to discuss? I will <clears> say, <throat> something else, and I think what was done so well with this is making these characters relatable is I mm-hmm. absolutely loved once the daughters figured out he was annoyed by Superman gifts. They made sure that was the only thing they got him. I laugh because that's the same fucking thing you would do. <laughs> oh, I would do it too. I mean, you're already planning on getting so many both hands uh, gifts. Oh yeah, but I just saw that and I'm like, those girls are my kind of people, and I really enjoy that. So the little there was touches here that the author put in that's great. And that was fantastic. But even that right there just got me to chuckle and laugh out loud. It kind of just made it like they were a real family. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the character, there was so much depth to these characters in such a short amount of time that that it truly was wonderful. It was done quite well. Yes. Uh, Anybody else have anything they want to discuss before we kind of go on to final grades and the whatnot? The whatnot? The whatnot. Okay, cool. So we're going to go into final grades. Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking fun. God, please, no! 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 So, uh, for Mr. Busek, our author, uh, writer extraordinaire, uh, what is your grade, Mr. Todd? You know, I'm going to give him a B plus because I got annoyed by the narration. Just the nature of it. I thought okay. it was done quite well, all in all, but for whatever <laughs> reason, that I wasn't, I just was slightly annoyed with it. Not that I could do any better, but yeah. Mr. Todd. Yes, he, I just he did, he did just, he, he's... Sorry, he's Mr. Adam. <laughs> I apologize. I was thinking Adam in my head, but I said Todd. I was Adam, like, I like sorry, the cousin Todd. you keep 
thinking it's my name. Don't talk about Paul. I got it, Todd. Okay, I got it. God damn it, <laughs> Mr. Adam. What is your grade? Uh, I'll give it an A minus. I, I really enjoyed the writing. Uh, it's again, it really drew me in. It had that feeling of, like I said before, this a normal person getting these extraordinary powers and, and running with them. And it really, I've never really related to Superman as a character before. And this author let me do that. And so I was kind of a fun, refreshing feeling and something that was really unexpected. So kudos to him. Cool. Um, I'm going to go with an A minus uh, myself. I uh, I really love this book. I love the writing. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, I thought was kind of interesting is that uh, I bought a different book by the same author as a recommendation from my comic shop. Hadn't gotten around to it yet. And reading this book made me go, I want to crack the book. I want to read what else this Which guy one? has to do. So uh, um, Astro City. Todd has a copy of that here. I do. Where it will, I'm sure he'll mention that coming up in a second. Quite potentially. <laughs> Uh, we'll rock on. Well, so uh, maybe we'll have uh, maybe we'll have something there. Uh, so then, speaking of uh, Mr. Maya, or speaking to Mr. Maya, Mr. Maya, what is your final grade for our uh, uh, writer? Uh, it's it's an A. There's there's no doubt about it. It's uh, one of my favorite Superman stories. It's beautifully written. Um, you know, as we mentioned, uh, I, I enjoy that they feel like real people, and, and you know, his family dynamic feels like a real family. Um, and it gives you the warm fuzzies. I, I give it an A. So then, for our artist, uh, Stuart Emoen. Eminen. Eminen. Sorry, Eminen. Okay, I say Eminen. Uh, Stuart Eminen. Uh, what is your grade, Mr. Maya? Uh, I'm also going to give him an A, especially just, just to show that he has a wide range of something he can do just because this is something, like I mentioned before, it's unlike most of the other Stuart Eminen stuff I've, I've seen I just thought it's a, think it's a beautiful, beautiful book. A's all around. Mr. Todd, what is your grade for our artist? It's an A. I mean, the style was wonderful, and it's encapsulated so much of Superman through different eras, even if it's just bits and pieces here and there. It um, really made the story sing in such a perfect way. So, yeah, it's an A. Mr. Adam, what is your grade? Uh, easily an A. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I love the style. It felt very cinematic which plays into everything I enjoy about, you know, with life and everything. Uh, it really flowed well with the story, and it just had a really fun, bright, upbeat feel to it. And I'm also going to give it an A. I thought the art was spectacular and uh, wonderful. And where I know a lot of us on this book are more writer-oriented, and we jumped right into talking about the art that tells you that the art definitely stands out and is, uh, is very good, because we... We definitely spent a fair amount of time talking about that. So, uh, going into final overall grades for this entire book, uh, we will go with Mr. Adam. Uh, so I'm at an A again. Like I said before, this is the first time I've really read a Superman comic that I th thoroughly enjoyed as much as I did, uh, with the exception of like the Injustice series. Uh, it's beautiful. It humanizes Superman in a way that I've never seen before, uh, and the art and the writing just combined for like, this perfect storm of just a absolutely wonderful book that uh, is. Like I said, it, it's, my, it's, it's my top ten definitely for sure as far as all graphic novels I've read. Don't think it's top five now that I think about it, but it, it's, it makes me want to go read more Superman. And I have rarely come across a comic that made me feel that way. So I love this. Go read this. Uh, but again, yeah, there are some feels in there. And as much as it's easy to tear through it because it's so well written and so well drawn, go back and try to take your time. I had to go back and flip the pages like a again and again because you, you'd miss little tiny things that were this really poignant and beautiful. Mr. Todd, what is your final grade? You know, with the great writing and the wonderful art, I am going to give this a full A because there was just some synergy there that made it 
sing, as I've said before, so well. And it's just a, it's a wonderful example of how good comics can be. So I don't think it's a perfect book, but it's right next to it. Um, I will also go with an A. I don't really have anything else to add to what's been said. I absolutely loved this book. I thought it was spectacular and uh, definitely would highly recommend. And it's definitely a book that if someone is looking for a, a comic book to read and, you know, this is a good introductory book for someone who uh, maybe knows a little bit about Superman and is a little bit curious about reading something slightly different. Uh, this is a really good option. And uh, Mr. Maya, what is your final grade? Uh, surprise, surprise. It's an A. Um... I mean, there isn't really th- anything more I can say about it other than it's it's just fantastic. It's it's one of the best Superman books ever created. I'm pleasantly surprised that this ended up being our 100th episode, that we had such a good book for that. So hopefully we get as lucky on uh, episode 200. And now it's time for recommendations. That time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. You're a stamp tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. Let's dive in. I know Todd has a recommendation because apparently it's sitting there on the table. So, Todd, what is your recommendation? So, for um, people that like Kurt, is there's a book called Astro City, Life in the Big City. Um, it's written by Kurt Busick, and it's drawn by Alex Ross. He was made reference to. So, that was the same artist that did Kingdom Come or even Kurt Busick's Marvels he did for mm. the Marvel line as well. So, it's a breakdown. It's a superhero story, but it's all... Um, basically idea of Kurt's own things he's just talking about it and it's just a fun great story to go into he's been writing these for a long time and there are several yep, that's, that's his creator own series yeah it's creator own series that's rocking it on vertigo yep and uh i think don't quote me on this i think because mm-hmm. um, it was being made monthly Mm-hmm. I think I read or heard somewhere that they're going to stop the monthly book and he's just going to go to doing original graphic novels for Astro City. So just jumping straight to um, just essentially just to do, the trade readers. Yeah. But don't don't quote me on that. I, I, I think I read something similar to that yeah. as well. But it's good fun. And if you like um, Kurt Busiek um, from this, it's definitely worth a read. Mr. Maya, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, I have two. And I'm going to stay on the Kurt Busiek bandwagon here. The first one... I hate to recommend it because it's almost unobtainable at the moment um, <laughs> due to licensing rights, and you'll understand why in a second. Uh, it may be easier to track down. It's four issues. It may be easier to track down the issues than, than the trade because the trades are, I just looked them up, $100 for the soft cover and almost 300 for the hard cover. Luckily, Ooh. I have the hard cover. Um, but it is uh, Kurt Busick and... A master in his own right, George Perez, do uh, is from the early two thousands, uh, where they did the JLA Avengers crossover, and it is it's fantastic just seeing everyone uh, um, work together and fight. Uh, if you look up, there's there's an interesting um, cover with Superman essentially hold uh, there he is, Superman holding Mjolnir and Captain America's shield. And nice. uh, it is one of the most badass things you'll ever see. That's pretty awesome. But my other suggestion that's a little more obtainable at the moment because it's still being made. Um, 
Kurt Busiek is doing a series similar to Secret Identity at the moment called Batman Creature of the Night. Um, it's four, uh, four issues. I'm sure the collection will come later. Only two are out right now. But uh, here's just a brief synopsis of the, or, uh, like the, like the solicitation for the first issue. Uh, young, and this is in a world where Batman doesn't exist, but Batman comics do. Uh, young Bruce Wainwright lost his parents in a violent crime, and in the real world, no superheroes exist to save the day. But as grief and rage builds inside Bruce until he feels he can't keep it inside anymore, something strange starts taking wing in the Gotham night. Perhaps Bruce's grief isn't inside him after all. And uh, yeah, he's basically just doing the Batman version of uh, of this book. Sounds interesting. Drawn by uh, John Paul Leon, who I'm, I know I've seen stuff of his before, but I'm completely blanking at the moment. Cool. Uh, Mr. Adam, do you have any recommendations? So I'm going to put mine on hold till next week because I have a possible recommendation, but I haven't played it yet. I'm going off to the advice <laughs> of some friends. Um, there's a video game uh, that I'll talk about next time, but it's it, it just came out uh, and it kind of blew up, and I got the last copy in Utah. Like Literally, I had to call like 20 stores to find one. Um, so if it's as good as I've heard, I will talk about it next week. If not, I'll, if it's not, I'll bitch about it. Either way, you'll talk about it. Yeah. So next week, we are continuing our month of viewer suggestions. Uh, this one is uh, an X-Men book, uh, the title of which I've always loved but I've never read. And thank God it's fucking short. It's only four issues. It's amazing. Well, it, was, it, was, it wasn't even four issues. It was originally just released as a graphic novel. It, this was never in issues. Oh, it was never an issue. Okay, so it's just a graphic novel. It's called God Loves, Man Kills, which I just think is a cool fucking title. Maya, have you read it before? I have not, uh, but I do know that the main villain in it is the same villain from X-Men 2, except he wasn't a military guy. He was a radical priest that hates mutants. Uh, but ah, this, gotcha. this is where we got introduced to William Stryker. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what we're going to be reading next week. And then for those of you who are playing along at home, uh, the following week we will be reading... Supergirl Volume 1 by Peter David. And that's that's a yes, which bit, is a, bit longer of a book. That's a heftier book. That's like I think is that twelve issues? Uh, something like that. It's a bigger collection. That's the biggest book we got this month. After spending a month on Watchmen, having some stuff that's a little more light and airy is actually kind of nice. Yes. And, uh, uh, so, and then be prepared. Next month's going to be a lot of reading. Just a little. Bit. It is. <laughs> Well, cool. That is uh, that does it for us for 100 episodes. Thanks for joining us uh, for part or all of the ride, y'all. Um, and uh, we will see you next week. We're going to keep charting these suckers out, crazy enough as it is. So, thank you all. Have a good Bye. night. Bye. For joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater. And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop, tip your bartender well, and stay hydrated.